Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week it's coming home. I'm Owen Bellwood and once again I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm, I'm very good. I, I can't stop smiling. I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm not sure if we're getting the video out this week, but I'm wearing new glasses. I broke my glasses celebrating England's goal. Oh no! The lens fell out. And my little nose thing fell off. So I'm, I'm wearing glasses that are too weak of a prescription. All because I jumped around too much when England scored a little goal. That's a good little story. Oh, Will, I see you've got new glasses. What happened to your old ones? Well. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but it is coming home, isn't it? It's actually happening. This is what people keep telling me. Yeah. But... We're not a football podcast, because I know nothing about football. Oh, well, I'm not talking about anything else for the next week and a half, so uh, thank you for joining us. (laughs) See you next week, goodbye. (laughs) Uh, As well as uh, several football games, there was also a Grand Prix this week. Uh, We were in Styria for the second in our triple header, and it was the Styrian Grand Prix, which was like an alright race. Did you watch it, Will? Was it alright? I think by normal year standard, it was fine. But by this year's standard, it was a bit boring. I think it's the worst Austrian Grand Prix we've had in f- three years. Is that because we've had about six? Part, well, <laughs> yeah, it depends how this weekend goes. Because you had, like, 2019 was when Max barged Charles off at turn three. That was, like, dramatic. But there was also the kind of hunting him down that was quite fun. Hmm. And then last year you had quite a fun... Well, you had Lando, didn't you? Lando's last lap shenanigans where he got the... Uh... Chasing down the five-second gap. Yeah, but then the fact that there was Alex Albon's crash with Lewis Hamilton as well. And then I think the Styrian race was quite fun as well, mainly because there was a wet quali, wasn't there? Yeah, so it just sort of mixed things up a bit, didn't it? Yeah, and I think it goes to show, you know, that... It's more interesting talking about the last three races than it is talking about the one that we just had. Like, I really feel like we have to apologise to France now because it put on such a better show than Austria did. Yeah, which no one would have called no. ahead of this triple header. Which of the three races do you think is going to be the best? Mm, France. Yeah. Normally it would be, oh, how can you make me choose between the two Austria races at the same place? Like, that's just luck. Well, let's hope that this week is a little bit better. But... um we're focusing in, we're dialing in on one specific aspect that was quite interesting this week. Yeah, probably the only interesting storyline of the weekend, I would say. And this was the surprisingly brilliant qualifying from George Russell and the ensuing heartbreak that came about in the race. So we thought it'd be a good time to kind of talk about his performance, how he's comparing to his teammate Nicholas Latifi, uh, and whether he might potentially be able to repeat this weekend's result uh, this weekend's performance at the coming race and hopefully have a slightly better finishing result which I think would be the second best outcome for the weekend the best would be Daniel Ricciardo to win but that's not going to happen do <laughs> you think? is that what you're going for? Yeah. That, would be, that would be quite the turnaround that would be like if we're talking dream outcomes it's his birthday today. We're recording on the Thursday. It's his birthday today. It is? Yeah. Before we get into George Russell, 
God, it was shocking. Yeah, he, he did a, have a, he had an engine issue, yeah. so he was up in about eighth or something as well, I think, and then, or maybe ninth, maybe he was just behind George, and then his power cut out for like thirty seconds or something, so everyone got past, and then he had to like work his way back up. But yeah, he's just not been bedding in with the team. It didn't seem like anyone was really able to get past anyone. Yeah, Austria's one where we usually see a fair amount of overtakes. Yeah. But there was just that DRS train that was just endless. Everyone stuck behind each other always a second away. But the fact that... I guess bringing it it back onto George then quite quickly, the fact that George Russell was up there in his Williams, was he benefited maybe slightly that there was a DRS train? Yeah, maybe. And that he was, you know... Because at some points he was dipping... I think he was behind Alonso for a large part of the race, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So to kind of fill in, fill in the gaps that we've skipped over to get to this point. George Russell once again made it into Q2 this year, um, this season. Um, he got out of Q1 with a time of 1 minute 5 seconds, 0.033. And then in Q2, he was so close to getting through to the final qualifying for the first time um, in a Williams. He finished in P11, so he was just outside the top 10, with a time of 1 minute 4 seconds, 0.671. And he was just 0.01 seconds away from a place in Q3. So it was so close. And it was another case of him just extracting 110% from that car on the Saturday somehow and just putting it in places that it maybe shouldn't have been. So he was he was already guaranteed a pretty good start. And then Yuki Tsunoda was given a grid penalty for hampering Valtteri Bottas' time. Which then meant that come Sunday, George now found himself in 10th place with his own choice of tyres. Which was a great place for him to be starting the race. Yeah, I mean, look, looking at the cars he was starting in front of. He was starting in front of Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo. Carlos Sainz like he managed to put the Williams well ahead of the Ferrari well not well ahead but well no a tenth a tenth ahead I'd say that's around a track like Austria well ahead for what you'd expect from a Williams yeah I think this was easily his best qualifying ever yeah Uh, we've become quite used to seeing him up in Q2 where he'll kind of end up being sort of 13, 14. He'll do his lap, he'll set a decent time, but for him to be so close to a spot in Q3 and ahead of the likes of Vettel and Ricardo, it was incredible. Yeah. And it filled me with so much hope for Sunday. <laughs> Before we move on from qualifying, do you think he can make Q3 before the end of the year? Want a dry session? Let's not talk about wet session mm. like nothing freak happening on pure pace well supposedly the team thinks there's going to be a few races where they excel and after Saturday I would say Austria's got to be one of them yeah. so he might be in with a decent shout again this weekend I think for him to be so close eight races into the season obviously we don't know what like development's going to be like over the year I think 
if someone else has a bit of a wobble, mm-hmm. we might see him in one, in Q3 once. Yeah, that. I just have a feeling with George Russell, it's one of those things that won't come until he moves to Mercedes. Mm. I think I think like the F1 gods are really making him grind it out, and they're like holding the carrot on the stick, but never letting him really get it, because he's really, he's really, he's really had. He's not he's not struggled, but everything that's been up against him and you look at like his mates right when he was coming up through GP2 and F2 and stuff like Alex Albon has been and gone he's had a chance in a Red Bull he's been in like a race winning car and he's gone Lando has like had a steady progression and his car has got faster and faster to now where it is you know very competitive in that midfield and it's Mm. picking up podiums left right and centre and poor old George has just been stuck at the back the entire time and had one chance where he's gone in the fastest car that's ever been created and he had that taken away from him too so it wouldn't surprise me if it just never happens for him and even times where he's come so close to the points like uh, in France where he finished 12th and there wasn't any DNFs most other events in the last year, if he'd finished 12th, there'd have been at least like two or three DNFs. And he'd have got a point. So he does seem to have just about the worst luck on the grid. The one the one that sticks out to me was at Hockenheim 2019, mm-hmm. when he finished like 11th or 12th. I, mean, I think he finished 12th on the grid, on, on, uh, over the line. And it was the first time that like, Hamilton had ever dropped out of the points. Mm. And both the Alphas were disqualified. And it promoted him to 11th. Hamilton back into the points. And Robert Kubitzer scored what is, to date, Williams' latest point. Mm. And the one car that didn't score a point that day was George Russell. It was George Russell. It's tough. He must be encouraged by, like the consistent performances he's putting in and being like, it's so annoying that I'm so close, but it's nice how often I am so close. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, that brings you on to how are the team performing? Because you look at a team like Alfa Romeo and they're a team that, like, I know at the moment, yeah, you've got two Hasses. Like, let's just... Apart from Mick's extraordinary run in uh, France, where he got that into Q2, mm. you can assume they're going to like occupy the, the last two places on that grid. Williams are going to have at least one of them, maybe two, depending on what the track is. Like you say, they're, they're performing well at some, some circuits, not others. Alpha are like all over the place. Like Sometimes they're both knocked out in Q1. Sometimes they're both getting through to Q3. Whereas with Williams, it just seems to be how good George is on the day. Mm. Yeah, and I guess when he's obviously still a very young driver, he's only in his third season, but he does seem to have kind of developed this, not statesman-like, but like this leadership air around him. And like, you look at him and think, wow, he's really tall, but also he looks like the leader of that team. (laughs) He is. Every picture of him next to another driver, I'm like, is he really tall or are they really short or is it a bit of both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's very, he's, he, he must be a very resilient guy. Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, 
we've seen some of the reasons that he has become resilient. Things like, but you know, not limited to, Imola twenty nineteen, uh, twenty twenty, Sakir twenty twenty, Imola twenty twenty one, and I'm sure, unfortunately, Styria twenty twenty one. It's just another another bow in that cap, feather in that cap, feather in that bow. It's a, it's another race on that list. Yeah, and I think this was one of the tougher ones I would say to take because so he started in tenth, and then due to the first lap tussle between Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly, he found himself up in ninth, and then eventually managed to work his way up to eighth. And he was kind of sitting very comfortably there. He'd made his car basically as wide as possible and no one was really getting past. And I I was watching it in a pub for the first time I think I've ever watched Formula One in a pub. (laughs) And there was kind of an air like, he's going to do it. It's going to (laughs) happen. And then there was that radio message. We're switching to plan B. Which is... Never, like, a guaranteed sign that it's all going wrong, but it's a sign that, like, something's unravelling. Well, so they they were talking on commentary. This You were watching in the pub, did you have commentary? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we did. So they were talking about how strong the undercut could be. And so when he, like, wasn't getting... He was kind of floating between Alonso's DRS and then dropping out of it and then back into it. And so when they said we're going to go for plan B I thought it was going to be like um, Ricardo the other week where they were going to box and, and try and overtake him mm. and I was like wow this is this is what they've been doing at the back all this time just with like Mazepin and Schumacher like they've been yeah. doing this you know, building strategies around them and finally they're doing it in the points and I thought this could be a masterstroke it wasn't no uh, so on lap 26 I think it was George did come into the pits and it, it flashed up on the coverage and he was in the pits for a while. And I just kind of assumed it was a messed up pit stop. But then it kind of came out that there'd been a mechanic topping up his air uh, in some part of the power unit. So it ended up being like an 18 second stop while they were refilling this air tank. And then he went out and by this point he'd fallen down into like 18th, I think. So the only person behind him was his teammate, Nicholas Latifi. And then a lap later, he came in again and had the same topping up the air. And he went out still weirdly ahead of Latifi. (laughs) (laughs) He'd had these two really slow stops. (laughs) I think Latifi boxed on lap one, though, didn't he? Yeah, he got kind of caught up in that tussle. Yeah. Like clipped Gasly's wheel or something. And then George, yeah, so George went back out and soldiered on for a few more laps but then ultimately had to retire. And it was, after the first stop, in my mind, I was still a bit like, right, come on, George, you just gotta like, focus. You can make up 18 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) It can happen. Well, you did think like, because there's always a margin there, where it's like, if there's a safety car now, Mm. everyone's gonna box, he's not. And it might not, he he might not jump them, but he'll at least get back with them. Yeah, he'll be on slightly more worn tyres, but if he's moved to the hards, then he'll be fine. Uh, it wasn't to be. No, it wasn't. And um, that 
bit from the coverage when he did go into the into the pit again to retire and his team radio he just it, it obviously must have been incredibly tough for him but he was still just like don't worry team these kind of things happen we'll be back next week and it's like there's not many young drivers that have that resilience like we look at what Alex was doing last year and if he had a not so positive result he would look so like dejected and down and be like oh this is the worst thing that's ever happened but it's obviously a struggle for George but he seems to kind of have this different kind of air about it where he's like nope we'll come back next week better it's fine yeah but do you know what that sounds like to me that sounds like the air of a man that's already got his Mercedes contract sorted for next season. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly he has anyway. Yeah. But Well, it could explain why he's got well, well, A, why he's got a bit of a spring in his step. And a bit of gas in the tank, literally. And why you know, he wasn't he wasn't the um the George Russell that was sat on the side of the track in Imola on both mm. occasions or in Sakir. He he wasn't like that. No. But also, it's the only time that actually, apart from Mercedes, that it's been taken out of his hands by something that couldn't be helped. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Bottas in Monaco. Like, it is something that happens. Yeah. And I read somewhere that because it was a reliability issue with an an engine problem... Mercedes are going to be able to investigate and put out a fix, so have like a slightly updated power unit that addresses the reliability problem. And if there happens to be any like power gains there, I think that all comes out in the wash. Yeah. So it'll be interesting if at the next set of races, so like Silverstone and after that, if there is a new Mercedes engine that proves more reliable and beefier. I tell I you guess. what though, I tell you what, George Russell gets announced for Mercedes on Thursday at Silverstone, gets into Q3 on the Saturday, well no, sorry, gets into Q3 on the Friday, Oh yeah. keeps it, I don't know, in the top 10 What in in the sprint qualifying, I don't really, yeah, yeah that, that'd do. Comes in the right place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've just had this conversation about it really, and I think... Briefly, we've been talking about whether the the person that wins the sprint race should have a pole position. But in the terms of this, you do lose that kind of, yeah. You know, Nikita Mazepin making Q3, and then you're like, yeah, but it doesn't count because you've got the sprint race to do. Yeah. I mean, if he did, I think we'd make an exception and be like, whoa! What's <laughs> <laughs> going on here? Um, yeah, and then George gets his first points at, the, at Silverstone. Weekend of his life. Yeah, that'd be quite, quite the little few days. Do you reckon I could get odds on that? Probably. Come back next week when I've done <laughs> that one. So yeah, George was forced out of the race on lap thirty-nine, and everyone was once again distraught that George Russell was just missing out on points. But while his fortunes have been quite unfortunate at times. His like performances up to that point have been pretty stellar. So 
when you look back at his teammate, Nicholas Latifi, who is still in the same position with no points, but never seems to have these dramatic, heartbreaking moments, what, what do we think is the biggest difference between the two of them as drivers and the performances they're putting in on track? It's a tricky one, because Latifi, you don't see much of him. Mm. Like, you, you know, you don't really see much of the backgrounders. Like, in George Russell's first season, the most you saw of him was when he was doing or having a little battle with Kubica. At the moment, Latifi is, like, bringing up the back of the field, maybe having a little fight with one of the Hasses, if he's unlucky. I mean, the the thing I've noticed is, like we said with George in Q2 he was dicing with Vettel Ricardo like through the year we've seen him going up against people like Vettel Ricardo Alonso that are all getting used to these new machines for that kind of final place in the points and things yeah. whereas Latifi is always with the Hasses and a slow Alfa Romeo all fighting to not be last yeah that's kind of where we always seem to see him well his his grid positions have been 17th 14th but I'm assuming that was because of penalties at Imola unless or did he get into Q2 at Imola yeah I think he did get into Q2 well I mean you know yeah good for him and I think maybe that was partly I think I think was that the race that Williams thought they were going to have a really strong car and they both DNF'd yeah yeah, that was one of the circuits where they'd said they thought they were going to do quite well. Yeah. But apart from after that, he's had two 18ths, one 19th, and three consecutive 16th place starts. And I think this is the kicker as well. He's hardly made up any positions. Mm. So his biggest gain was in Monaco, where he went from 18th to 15th. But that is because... Charles didn't start the race Bottas retired I can't remember if someone else retired as well but that's where most of his kind of position gains seem to come from and that's it's it's not good enough when your teammate is at least bringing up the back of the midfield yeah yeah and like something we've seen a lot with George is in the first lap he can kind of find himself a bit higher up and in the points and dicing with people or he'll pull out a slightly longer stint so you see him sort of ending up kind of sixth, fifth in the running and then he'll drop back after a pit and things but with Latifi it's kind of always around that tail end you never really see him even like risking a 13th or anything like that yeah there's obviously is differences between teammates across all te- all the teams but the gulf between George and Nicholas to say they're in such a rubbish car seems quite gaping yeah I mean the only other kind of partnership that I think has the same dynamic this year is Lando and Daniel Mm. where Lando is much more used to the car and Daniel is struggling with it but Daniel has actually you know he does put in some good performances he had a great race in France should have had a great race last week, even if he completely mucked qualifying up. Yeah. And Latifi, 
has had one occasion then where he's managed to match George and come into Q2, but then not finish it off in the race for one reason or the other. And it is a question, I guess, for Williams. What do they do next year? Because Lasifi brings a lot of money. His dad is Safina, which is you know plastered all over the back, and Lavazza Coffee. That's that's mm. him as well. But can can they coax a couple of drivers with some big sponsors that can actually drive the car well, like a Valtteri Bottas? There obviously is a need in some teams to have paying drivers and drivers that bring a lot of sponsorship, but. Latifi is kind of in this sort of second level of them where you've got drivers like Stroll where his dad owns the team, he's guaranteed a seat and everyone's like, oh, he's only there because his dad bought the team. But then he went and put it on pole in Turkey and you're like, oh wait, (laughs) this guy's pretty good. The day he wins Um, a race is going to be chef's kiss. It's going to happen. But Latifi's sort of in danger of getting lumped in with the Mazepins of this world that are literally just there for the sponsorship which when it's such a small grid and you've got so many good drivers out there that don't have seats I don't think it's anything that the fans really want to see No, not at all So Russell and Latifi were um, both brought in by Claire Williams before she left and they are on I think one year contracts so they're, they're on a one year rolling contract and Latifi was confirmed for this year before Claire Williams left so DeRulton have come in with what we're assuming is big money is there a need to keep Latifi on for his money when you could get someone like I mean I wasn't expecting us to start speculating on what the uh Williams driver lineup for next year might be, but can, this this would be wonderful. Bottas and Hulkenberg, they've obviously they're going to have mental salaries that they're not paying these two at the moment. I would guess that the similarities would be with what Aston Martin are in. So Force India were a team that was struggling and needed sponsorship, and that's why Perez was a great driver to have because he brought a load of money to the team. As soon as they then had an owner that was happy to invest, they weren't as reliant on his sponsorship, so could bring in someone else. I mean, Seb's probably a driver that brings his own sort of fair whack of sponsorship money. But uh, yeah, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar thing with Williams, because if you're wanting to rebuild a team, you need to have, you need to have money but then you also need to have a good driver. And if your money's coming from somewhere else, then you can focus more on the drivers that you've got. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Latifi's just always kind of forgotten about. And it's like, oh, yeah, look, he's 19th again. Cool. Yeah, and if you, if you want to make gains, I think you need to be cutthroat about it, about who your driver is. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you might be in a crap car. But George Russell was in a crap car against Robert Kubica, who is, you know, a seasoned Formula One driver, and he beat him every every time he beat him, in quali anyway. And it gets to the point where you're going to need some knowledge, rather and experience rather than a uh, a cheap seat. One thing to compare the kind of the performances of them over the weekend 
that I wrote down was the, the fastest laps from each of them from the race. And Latifi was quicker because he raced till the end, therefore burnt off all his fuel. But he still only posted the 18th fastest lap time, so he was still slower than Mick Schumacher in a Haas. So Mick's fastest time was 1 minute 10.005, and then Latifi was 0.104, so he was like a tenth slower. And then George was 0.49, so only four tenths slower with half a car's worth of fuel. Like you mentioned that it's kind of the golf is similar to what we're seeing at McLaren. But then I feel like the golf is also kind of similar to what you've seen at Haas, where you've got Schumacher, who obviously has found his way into Formula One with the advantage of having that very famous surname. But he's also won races and proven himself. And then they've got Payne Driver, who's a second slower. And he didn't actually finish that far ahead of Mazepin, did he? Uh, no. I think he was about eight seconds on the road in front of him. Yeah. After after 70-odd laps, that's not good. No. You would have liked to have seen a car that is being invested in and being worked on finish higher than last year's Haas. Yeah. <laughs> right, if we're being honest. I'd love to see Williams do something radical and... I mean, it's a clean slate for them next year. You've just got to hope that they've thought of something no one else has mm. in a Braun-esque kind of way, because I think that's the only way that they're going to... Unfortunately, you know, they can't take too many more years like this. But sort of to come back to what we mentioned at the top of the show, we're back in Austria at the Red Bull Ring this weekend. Do you think George will be able to repeat his performance this week and score his first points. If I was a betting man, and I very much am, I would say yes. Uh, and I've, I've actually also just got the odds up, if you're interested. This is top 10 finishes this weekend. He is exactly the same odds, 6-5, to five, as Sebastian Vettel doing the same thing oh really that is interesting and he is better odds than Esteban Ocon oh yeah because he had a shocker what happened there this weekend Uh, I would agree I think if he is going to score points this weekend is one of his most likely and if he does I'll go mad at a hot dog eating competition and just it'll be brilliant <laughs> I will uh, jump in we're at a house with a swimming pool this weekend I'll jump in it fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think every race weekend in my mind I'm like my race prediction George points and it's always wrong but this weekend I feel like it's a fairly safe safe shout hopefully Maybe. If it's not and it's down to the car, then I think Williams have deeper problems with their reliability than we might be anticipating. Because mm. I've never seen that kind of stop happen before. Apparently it happened to Fittipaldi in Bahrain when he stepped in last year. Oh, okay. I 
heard him talking about it and explaining what happened, and he was like, oh, yeah, that happened with the Haas last year. But it was a weird thing to see, a guy with, like, a gas canister on his back. First, I thought it was, like, yeah. a fire extinguisher or something. Well, I had, I had just written, like, this article on what everyone does during an F1 pit stop. Uh, so this guy turned up and was like, <laughs> I write about him. <laughs> Have you added him in? No, I still don't really know what he does. But yeah, I would say George should be able to score a point this weekend. I don't think he'll get into Q3, though. Oh, he's got to work for it. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah. Throw in the fact that it's going to be torrential thunderstorms and definitely going to rain all weekend, then who knows what could happen. Oh, he's going to be on pole. <laughs> <laughs> But what do you think? Let us know on Twitter. Do you think George Russell can score his first points for Williams Formula One team this weekend? We would love to you know, reach out at Friday Formula. Let us know your race predictions as well. So, as is tradition, to introduce this as tradition, we've had another race, so we have to give our one-sentence race reviews. And in a mix-up, I think. I don't think you've introduced uh, the first team in the championship for a while. We go in championship order. Owen, give us your Styrian Grand Prix review of Red Bull. I said, charging Verstappen looks at home leading the championship. Which means we come back to you, Will, for second place Mercedes. I put off the pace, but still managed second and third place. Next, we have... McLaren I've said was a solid double points finish hampered by a momentary mechanical malfunction and then back to you for fourth place Ferrari great recoveries to keep the heat on McLaren fifth place we have AlphaTauri Uh, I've said Sonoda back in the points after Gasly's game over two points behind AlphaTauri is Aston Martin I said it's a bad week for the Germans as Seb falls short. Also, England one is coming home. Uh, seventh place is Alpine. Uh, gone with Alonso continues to perform while Ocon looks to have lost his form. And then we come a few points back to Alfa Romeo. How did Kimi Raikkonen gain seven places and I didn't see any of them? After Alfa, we've talked about them enough but one more sentence won't hurt. Williams. Heartbroken. Oh. That's it. Oh. That's all I said. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then the final team on the board, Haas. I've got Mick beat Williams, Nikita didn't spin, race of the season. So that was our thoughts on the Styrian Grand Prix. We are back at the Red Bull Ring on Sunday for this year's Austrian Grand Prix where the tyres are taking a step softer. So we might see some slightly different strategies, a little bit more on-track action, hopefully. Uh, after the race, please do let us know your one-sentence reviews of the Austrian race, and who knows, if we get any in, we might read them out. We'll be back next Friday, talking through all the action from Austria. Uh, we hope you can join us then. If you would like to hear about the podcast, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. And we do also run the show on our YouTube channel where we do a slightly more condensed version. You can find that by heading to YouTube and searching Friday Formula. You can find us on there. And as we are approaching the final race in the first triple header of the year, now is a great time to join 
our Fantasy Formula One League. The code to join will be in the episode description. That is everything from us this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next Friday for more motorsport chatter. Goodbye. Bye.